it's a little jarring, having spent last Sunday at the empty tomb and then showing up this Sunday at the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was just resurrected from the dead, and yet here we are starting the story all over again. It is jarring, but I think we are exactly where we need to be this morning, right? Where the resurrection would have us go on Easter. We read together John's account of the gospel, of the Easter story, but had we visited Mark's story instead, we wouldn't, the connection between Easter and the beginning of this gospel would have been clear. See, Mark ends his story rather abruptly. There's an empty tomb. Two men in white greet the women who show up on Easter Sunday. He has been raised, they are told. He is not here. Look. Look at the place where they laid him. And then the men in white have instructions for the women. Seeing the empty tomb, now go. Tell the disciples and tell Peter that Jesus has gone ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. In other words, if you want to see Jesus, well, empty tombs are not the place to look. Where is Jesus? Well, he's gone ahead of you. He's gone to Galilee. Galilee, that place on the outskirts of society, the place where Mark begins his story. If you want to see Jesus, you must go back to Galilee, back to where the story of Jesus begins. At the end of Mark's gospel, he sends us back to the beginning. And so here we are at the beginning, back to Galilee, back to where Jesus' story began. If you want to encounter the story of Jesus, the gospel of Mark is a great place to start. In fact, this is the start, the first gospel ever written. This, this book contains the oldest accounts of Jesus' life and teachings that we have. This is literarily the beginning of Jesus' story. And over the next few months, as we worship together, we'll experience this gospel together and reread the stories of Jesus, as Mark tells us. Now, Mark calls this story good news. That's how it begins. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The first verse functions almost like a title. But more than that, it is a declaration. Something new is happened. I imagine we're at a play and the narrator comes out to center stage and proclaims at the top of his voice, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then the story begins. Or if you're Mark's audience, you might imagine something different. Perhaps they would have seen a herald on a horse, somebody traveling into town to bring a message, an emissary sent from Rome to announce good news, or at least what the empire would call good news. In the book, Say to This Mountain, the authors tell us that the, the word gospel is actually a borrowed term. Gospel means good news. That's the same word. And the word comes to us not out of Jewish tradition, but out of Roman use. The Romans used that term gospel as a word for their propaganda, news of military victory from the frontiers of the Roman Empire, news, good news of the ascension of power of a new emperor, good news that the empire was taking over. This is what Rome understood as good news. They would herald the good news throughout their conquered territory. Good news, you're ruled by the empire. 
Good news, Rome has defeated another helpless nation. Good news, your life can be found not in freedom, but in the protection of the empire. Good news. It sounds hokey, doesn't it? But let's not dismiss the tactics of empire too quickly. Turn on our TVs, look at our news feeds. We're inundated with good news. Good news, this dieting fad will make you feel young again. Good news, buy this new car, new phone, or vacuuming robot, and your life will never be the same. Good news, vote for this candidate and all your dreams will come true. Good news, give in to your fears. Build walls between yourself and those who you do not like. Demonize those who are not like you, and then you will finally feel safe. The marketing arm of the empire is still strong, convincing us that good news comes through us through greed, through violence, and fear. But Jesus shows up on the scene with a counter message. This is a story of good news, Mark says, but it's not good news from the empire. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what is the good news about? In order to understand Jesus' message of good news, Mark points us to the location from which he delivers it. The place where Jesus' ministry begins, which is a wilderness. In the wilderness, Jesus shows up to be baptized by John, emerging from the crowds of people that are flocking to hear John's message. And then after being baptized in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit sends Jesus, drives him out into the wilderness where he's tempted. After Jesus emerges from 40 days in the wilderness, you expect him to then show up at the center of power, maybe go to the temple in Jerusalem. Those are the places where you can find the people, the resources, and the influence you need to do something great. But Jesus stays in the wilderness. He goes to Galilee, which in Jesus' day was a nothing place filled with nobodies. It's no place to begin a revolution, much less a story. Galilee is on the edge of the map and the margins of society. And in Galilee, that's where Jesus Begins. From Galilee, Jesus declares good news. Now, this may be a good time to just stop and take a breath because we've hit the ground running in the Gospel of Mark. If you want to take your time and have a leisurely stroll through the story of Jesus, don't read the Gospel of Mark. Mark is very quick. And I better warn you now, this is a fast moving gospel. For those who get motion sickness, this is not the story for you. In a matter of verses, 15 verses, we've met Jesus, John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, and the Satan. There's no account of Jesus' birth in Mark's story, no time for those details, but he hits the ground running. He begins with Jesus already on the scene, and in 15 verses, he's been baptized, Tempted, and now he's begun his first preaching tour, what would take chapters in other Gospels. Mark has done in a matter of sentences. The story starts off quickly, and it does not slow down from here. In fact, the most repeated word in the Gospel of Mark, in the original Greek, 
is the word immediately. Say that with me. Immediately. It's everywhere. It's so frequent that our English translators say it would be redundant to put it every time. It'll show up a little bit, but it's almost every other sentence. Immediately, Jesus does this. Immediately, Jesus does that. It's Mark's favorite word. There's no time to waste. He's always moving. There's something immediate to do. Even Jesus' first sermon, that last verse, verse 15, it's short and to the point. It's one sentence long. Wouldn't you like a sermon that was one sentence long? There's no time to waste. Jesus has work to do. Mark tells us Jesus came to Galilee and he proclaimed the good news of God. And here's that one sentence sermon. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The first words Jesus says in the gospel, the first sermon, one sentence, two parts. There's the message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. And then the response to the message, what we should do, repent and believe the good news. That's it. Now, I don't know about you. When I hear the word repent, I kind of start to break out in hives, really. It's one of those words that just brings back disturbing memories from my childhood. I can see that preacher with the reflection of hellfire in his eyes, screaming to the crowd of church-going sinners, I guess, repent, repent. I figure if they were at church listening to that guy, they're probably doing all right in life. But regardless, repent was the message. But when Jesus preaches it, there's no fires of hell in his eyes. He's not talking about guilt or shame or sin even. Repent is a word about direction. It's, it's an invitation to change your orientation, change where you're heading, turn around. It's a military term, really. They would repent and they would turn around and go a different direction. Jesus begins the story, shares the good news, and says in response to that good news, you need to turn around, change the direction you're heading. The good news is this way. This is the way to the kingdom of God. Follow me. There in Galilee, in the outskirts of society, a place we probably would not go to ourselves, a nothing place, a place that meant nothing to the empire, where people were labeled as nobodies. There, Jesus announces something new, that God has come near. The time has arrived. Business as usual is over. Behold, a new day is dawning. A new world is coming. Jesus calls it the kingdom of God, and it's come near. And if you want to live in this world, then you must repent. Stop heading away from the kingdom and change your course right into the center of it. And come with Jesus to Galilee. In Galilee, you'll hear good news. In Galilee, you'll hear Jesus' story. In Galilee, you will hear the good news of Christ. Because Galilee is where the church should always go to begin its ministry. Now, last week I had a conversation with a woman who lives in Norwalk. She was telling me about her own experience of church. When people find out you're a pastor, they tell you everything that you more than you wanted to know about their life and their church-going experiences. And she told me, she said, I will never, and she meant this, I will never go to church again. I kind of inquired, and she eventually told me her story. She wanted me to know, well, I still believe in God, she said, but I can't go to church. What happened? Well, she was going to church right in the middle of a messy divorce, 
She was at a church, and the church gave her instructions, things that she should do. And, well, her life was a mess, and she was having a hard time living, let alone following church-going people's instructions. When she didn't do what they told her to do, they turned their back on her. And she swore, I could never go to church again. When I go, they just look at me. They judge me. I will never go there again. And if that wasn't worse, she decided to tell me another story, a story of a friend of hers, a story that happened just last week on Easter Sunday. The friend arrived at church, having not gone for a long time, wanting to hear some good news. But instead, in the midst of a sermon about the resurrection, somehow the pastor worked in a few diatribes against people who were gay. Decided this was a good time to to preach this sermon. And her friend stood up and left in the middle of church. Probably for good. They arrived looking for good news and left feeling bad about themselves. In one conversation, I heard two stories of the church proclaiming Bad news. I told her how angry, you know, hearing those stories made me feel. I told her about our church. Well, in our church, we believe that that God is love and God sides with love, not hate. We try to open our doors, not close them. And you know what she said? She said, it's so good to hear that a church like that exists. I did not know there was such a place in Norwalk. That's what she said. And I left thinking... People are hungry for good news. That's what our world needs. That's why Mark begins the gospel, not in the center of religious power, but in Galilee, in the forgotten, nothing places, the places where people go when they don't know where to go. Not in religious establishments, not in the temple, but among those people who've been oppressed and stepped on and thrown out. That's where Jesus proclaims good news. But the bad news of the story, well, we know the rest of the story. The world doesn't always follow suit. What is good news to some is bad news to others. And news of Jesus will quickly spread in the gospel. And before we even get to chapter 2 of Mark, they're already plotting Jesus' death. Things move quickly in Mark. The road to Galilee is not an easy one. Many stand in the way. But if you want to follow Jesus. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, this is the path. This is the road. This is where Jesus' story begins. This is the good news, that God is turning the world upside down. A new day has dawned, and Jesus has come to declare to all of us that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, so near you can touch it, you can feel it all around you. May we repent And believe this good news. Believe that here among the margins, that's where Jesus is. This is where the gospel begins. And this is where the church of Jesus Christ should always be, right where Jesus was. Making our home in Galilee among the people who most need to hear good news. May we believe it and may we live it. Amen. And let us sing as we come to the communion table this morning, number five. 18, this is a day of new beginning.